0: Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another serving of Business Soup Talk Radio. If it's in business, it's business soup. I'm your host, John DeBauwes. When it comes to running a business, we don't always know we're running it legitimately. We might have a legitimate business, but is every step that you're taking done correctly or legitimately? Joining us here at the table at Business Soup is Elizabeth Hill, an entrepreneur, and attorney. She also is a podcast host of her new adventure, Legit Endeavors. And she's going to be sharing the tips, tools, and techniques of making sure that every step along the way is legit. Right here at the table on Business Soup, where business comes for business. Elizabeth, welcome to this serving of Business Soup.
1: Thank you, John. I'm so excited to be here. Well,
0: I'm excited to have a fellow podcaster, but you are an entrepreneur, an attorney, and I say that in good faith, and <laughs> and you have started your own winery. Boy, it doesn't get much better than that. So what came first, the attorney or the entrepreneur?
1: Well, I actually have been an entrepreneur for a while. I um, was involved in a business before I went to law school that I, I'm no longer involved with, but I did go and work at a firm after law school and really enjoyed that. And then the winery restaurant part of it came very recently. And that's been a lot of fun. But I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit to get out there and see what I could do as my own boss.
0: And you have started your own podcast and you are doing what sounds like very much what Business Soup does by helping entrepreneurs and small business owners do it right. But you have a different spin. You have legit. Where did the name of your program come from?
1: Well, you know, I went through lots of different names, trying to find something that lent itself to the legal world, but was not limited to the legal world. And so that's where I came up with legit because, you know, if you're going to have a legit business, it can be in lots of different ways. Of course, legally is important, but it can also be that you have legit marketing plan and you have a legit customer service department, or however you decide to handle that. And as small business owners, oftentimes we are the customer service department. But I, I really liked the word legit. And so I decided to go with that. And it just kind of came about through trial and error of trying to find a name that I thought fit but did not limit me to only legal issues.
0: Good play. And you also, you got the domain name for it as well. And and when you talk about legit, it's just not the business itself. It's making sure that every aspect of your business is being done in a legitimate or legit way. There are so many ways that a small business person can go wrong and not even know it and be literally illegitimate. In the way in which perhaps it's their employee relationships or human relationships, not having an employee manual. There are so many ways that we can violate the law and not even know it.
1: Yes, that is so true. And oftentimes it results in us not protecting ourselves enough so that when things happen, as they often do in business, that we can end up not being prepared. But if we, from the beginning, set it up in a legitimate way then we will be better prepared when those things come along. And unfortunately, they often do. I call it the cost of business sometimes.
0: Yes. And a a lot of times it's the cost of ignorance. It's not intentional, but you just (laughs) don't know it. And before we get into the entities and such, and I want to bring up a legitimate business endeavor of mine, but there's what we call a rule of one in 18 for every act of legislation are 18 regulations where the federal government says, this is a great idea. And then it matriculates down to the local level 18 different ways. And with every law that happens, and no small business owner knows all of what the regulations from legislation are. But as I've mentioned off air, and my audience knows, there's always a government entity to remind you of what you did wrong.
1: That is so true. And I love that rule of 1 to 18 that you bring up. You know, recently with all of the different guidelines and restrictions that governmental entities have placed in the midst of the pandemic, we found that there was a lot of confusion. And many times someone was attempting to enforce the new order, whatever it is that came out, And of course, usually that person doesn't have a law degree, does not necessarily know the um, principles of statute construction or order construction. And so we actually had an issue uh, where we had to kind of get up the chain of command until we did get to their legal department to clarify that we were doing the right thing. But that doesn't just happen in the pandemic. It can happen in lots of different ways. Simply because, as we know, the legislator late legislatures are not always completely clear in the way that they uh, draft a statute. And so I, I really like your your discussion there about one to 18, because I think it can be interpreted 18 different ways sometimes.
0: And it's not cheap to go up against those as a small business owner. So we were talking about legitimate endeavors. I shared this legitimate endeavor that I have, and I'm actually doing this with my tax man, Sandy Botkin, who is on our site as well. And I told him that I have been processing money all my life. I take my money that I've earned and I go out and I buy hay for my horses and cows and I feed it to them. Well, then they use their processing capabilities to digest it and give me another form of money in green. But for my lifetime, I've just taken that and thrown it away. Well, then a neighbor of mine told me, John, you're throwing your money away. I'm a worm farmer. I'm going to grow worms. What do I do? I take that, which my animals process, put it in a pile, throw water in it, and throw some worms. And then they turn it into fertilizer, which I can then collect and sell. There is a legitimate business opportunity, and I call it processing money.
1: I love that. Yes.
0: And it's amazing what you can do with what the worms leave behind. You still have the worms. (laughs) And they've concentrated everything and I'm going, well, this works. And it's another home-based business. Everybody should have one. As everybody knows, I've got horses and cows. You may not want to be next to me after it rains, but it smells like money to me.
1: (laughs) Part of the reason I love that is I've always kind of had that attitude of thinking outside the box and not necessarily doing it exactly the same way that the rest of the industry has done it. And that's something that this year we found really helped us because most wineries uh, just kind of have a tasting room and maybe they have a cheese board, but nothing too elaborate. Well, we always have thought that wine is best enjoyed with food. And so we decided to make it both a restaurant and a winery. And that actually saved us this year. So I I really enjoy hearing about how you've been thinking about what fits with what you're already doing and can be successful. Uh, If you're going to be processing that money, as you say, anyway, why not take on this new part of it that fits so well?
0: Well, and guess who my first customer is going to be? The winery next door.
1: Oh, yay. I love that.
0: (laughs) What, what the worms convert in what they call casings, taking process it, is uh, very beneficial to plants. And so they said, we'll take your casings. And so uh, now I get to go over to the winery next door and talk casings.
1: <laughs> well, that's really neat. It sounds like they want to take great care of their vineyard or grounds or whatever else they may have there. And so that's really a cool partnership.
0: We're talking with Elizabeth Hill, helping people make their lives legit. And when it comes to operating your business legitimately, it's just not about the entity that you have. It's making sure that each one of the steps that you are operating within your business is done correctly or legitimately. There are so many ways you can go wrong. And as I've shared my experiences of being successful in spite of myself over 20-some years ago, it can happen to you. One of the things that I always enjoy talking about are entities Covering your assets, protecting yourself from those who would willingly separate you from your success. And most of those include an Esquire after their name because they're representing people who want to take it from you, whether it is legitimate or not. Elizabeth, what are some of the ways in which I can protect my business and my property, both real and personal, from those who might want to try and take it away from me? And I'm not talking about the ex-spouse. I'm talking about people outside the family that may want to sue me because every business is going to get sued. It's just a matter of if, not when.
1: I'm so glad that you mentioned that businesses are going to get sued. As I mentioned earlier, it can be the cost of just running a business. And I often have clients that ask me, well, what can I do to make sure I don't get sued? And my answer is nothing. You cannot prevent someone from suing you. All they need is $300, a typewriter or a computer or a pencil and paper to put down their claims and take them to the courthouse. But what you can do is protect yourself in a way that you will be best set up to defend and handle that scenario. And so, yes, you mentioned entity status. I am a strong advocate for making sure you set up an entity that separates your personal assets from your business assets, because oftentimes small business owners, right when they get started, they have more personal assets and you want to protect those. And so that's the fortunate thing about uh, the way business law has developed is that states do see entities as separate beings from their owners. And so that will protect your personal assets for being subject to any type of collection under a judgment or anything else that can happen if and when you get sued. And so that's one of the things I advocate the most at the beginning. And oftentimes what happens is new business owners think that they're starting something small, and there's really no need to do it. And then they get a few months, or years down the road, and it's a bit bigger than they started, but they never done.
0: Yeah, it's the path of least resistance is typically the path that most entrepreneurs begin with because they have no money and there's, there's no assurance that they're going to make money and to go out and create an LLC on the downstroke. You're talking anywhere from five hundred to a thousand dollars, depending upon the resources and such. And then you got to pay a, a mandatory. I think what is it, five hundred dollars per year for the privilege of having one.
1: I think that can be different by state, but yes, it's it does seem like an expense that a lot of new business owners don't think they need or want to incur. And I always say it's never too late to get it done, but it should be done as soon as possible.
0: Yes, and I tell everybody that the first thing you have to do is you have to file your DBA, get your bank accounts, and do all of that. But when you have a DBA, that's just doing business as, and you're running around with a target on you, that if something goes wrong, and it will, that arrow is going straight in your chest or in your back. One of those areas that is in hot contention right now are the Uber and Lyft drivers and independent contractors. And I'd like to ask you as to if I was one of them and I maintain my status now as an independent contractor and I'm using my car to drive around, what kind of exposure liability wise do I have for myself, my vehicle and any of my property? If I'm just going out there and picking up Elizabeth and Elizabeth says, take me to the winery.
1: Independent contractor status versus employee status is one of the most commonly misunderstood areas of the law, and it happens all the time, not just in businesses like Uber or Lyft, but in everyday businesses where uh, someone thinks, well, I can just pay them as an independent contractor so I don't have to pay the taxes.
0: Like the handyman, the gardener, or somebody comes in and does repairs on your house and such. Those are independent contractors.
1: Correct. And so there are all these factors. And of course, every state is a little bit different, but they're pretty common in that if you are providing a service with your own tools, such as a vehicle or your own tools, if you're a craftsman or an electrician or someone like that, then that is often an independent contractor. And especially for Uber and Lyft, when as I understand it, they're setting their own hours, they're determining when they go online to be available, um, and they can adjust all of that. That would be typically considered an independent contractor because you're not under the direct control of the details of your work, like an employer employee relationship. And there can be times when it's a very fine line, but if you're an independent contractor, that means that typically, you need to protect yourself, um, not only by potentially creating an entity, but also by having good insurance. Before I opened my own firm, I did some insurance defense. And I learned a lot about how important it is for businesses to have insurance. Because when you do get sued, oftentimes the insurance will come forward and has an obligation to defend you. And so yes. that really, really helpful. So when you mention anyone that's driving, the first thing I think is, well, you definitely need good insurance, but that applies to many other industries as well.
0: Staying with the Uber and Lyft as just the example, because they are in the news almost daily. And so many people are using that as a means by which to make additional money. What is their exposure as far as liability? And can someone go after them and their assets? And is their traditional insurance on their vehicle sufficient to cover the activities of income generating as an independent contractor?
1: Well, I'm going to give my my standard attorney answer that really annoys a lot of people, but it depends. <laughs> there are so many different variables that could affect that. I know that there are many companies that do have independent contractors work for them that do have some insurance that might apply to the independent contractor. That happens a lot in Texas when we have workers' compensation insurance and then you have subcontractors. And sometimes the workers' compensation insurance will actually cover the subcontractors. So that's one way that an independent contractor might be protected but they would just need to know that and they would need to know what their agreement is with the company that has hired them. And then it's always a good idea to make sure that you are doing your own things to protect yourself. As I mentioned before, setting up an entity, making sure you understand and have looked over and maybe even had an attorney look over your contracts because all of the what ifs of what could happen is what I always say we miss as early small business owners. Uh, We think everything is exciting and we are excited to go into business with people we know, oftentimes friends, and I'm not just talking about partnerships, but also new contracts where you're doing your work for those friends. And many times there's something not in writing or it's not comprehensive enough or not written by an attorney and does not cover all of the what ifs. So that would be my recommendation is to really make sure that that person has completely explored all of the worst case what ifs, as I like to call them.
0: Well, that was about as vague as I could get it's a standard legal response there. It's the what ifs, <laughs> and it's really as, and I pretty much knew what was coming because I've been in every one of those what if puddles, or I've stepped in them, those holes. So, Elizabeth, on those entities, for a business, the LLC, the S Corp, C Corp, when do I go from one to the other, or do I just take an LLC and run with it?
1: I do love the LLC. I personally prefer it because it is so flexible for small business owners. But there are many uh, businesses that I set up for real estate investors that involve a partnership. And that's a really good structure for real estate. So again, it kind of depends on the industry that you're in and what you plan to do with your business. But I really do love the LLC for small business owners. It provides so much flexibility as far as how it's managed. It's also very flexible for tax status as well. And so that is typically my preferred entity. But as you mentioned, other types of entities may be best for the industry that the small business owner might be diving into.
0: Of course, I mentioned the S-Corp and C-Corp. So when you really get going, sometimes you move out of the LLC, depending upon your business. And the it depends, legally speaking, it depends on what it is you're doing when you need a C or S-Corp on that particular entity. What I like about LLCs and what I've said throughout my radio career has been never let your assets and your liabilities meet on the same page which doesn't make a lot of sense as far as accounting, but in entities, you wanna make sure that you own nothing, that you manage an LLC that owns it. Lawyers will try to pierce what they call that corporate veil to see, hey, can I get to their personal assets? An LLC is a great way to cover your assets without having to spend a lot of time doing uh, corporate or board of director notes and, and giving opportunity for failure.
1: Yes. And that's why I really like it. And what's neat about the LLC is, and I'm I am not a tax attorney, so I always say, ask your accountant, but an LLC can be taxed as an escort, for example. And so at least in Texas, it can be, and I know that the IRS allows it. Um, and so it's really just such a flexible entity. And you're right, it can be managed completely by the owners and you never have to elect a president or an elect a CEO, it can just be very informal, while still maintaining um, corporate formalities. And so I love the LLC, I think it's a great entity. And it really does fit most small businesses that I found.
0: And of course, these things such as limited partnerships and LLC are are the result of somebody getting sued. And so what's the best way to protect yourself and cover your assets? And that is create that which wasn't in existence when somebody else got sued.
1: Yes, for sure.
0: We're talking with Elizabeth Hill, who helps people make their lives legit in their businesses. Let's talk about your... Legit Endeavors, your podcast program. You are an attorney, entrepreneur. You're now decided. you know what, I'm going to start talking on the radio. What made that decision and why?
1: I have been a podcast lover for a few years now. I love listening to podcasts. I like to listen to all different kinds of podcasts, but it's what I listen to when I'm in the car typically. And As the type of attorney that I am, I really love to talk, which I'm
0: sure
1: (laughs) sure is one of the annoying things about attorneys. But there are different types of attorneys. Some are more in the office only. And I actually end up in court now by Zoom, of course, but uh, I've always really enjoyed to communicate and chat about what I'm passionate about. And so that's really how it came about. I've been doing some research, trying to think about what I wanted to do. And that seemed like the best fit for me. And so it's been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed it. It is a a lot of work as well, but um, it's work that I enjoy. So it's been pretty neat. And uh, seeing you being in it for years and years is really encouraging.
0: It is a lot of fun. What I really enjoy about the benefits of a podcast is its legitimacy. In broadcast, you can't really prove anything, who's listening. But in podcasting, you can validate your audience, how many people have listened to it, when, what, what makes the phone ring, literally. And you can listen to it anywhere without static. And most of the time, there aren't any commercial interruptions as well. So it's, it's a great tool, and I thoroughly enjoy coming from so many years of broadcasting. It's a lot of fun. And I get to meet great people, smart people like yourself, who have continued to surround me and protecting my assets and making me look good. And that's part of the job of having employees is to make their boss look good, and we all make money together.
1: And I I love podcasts for the reason that you're able to reach so many people, even though I'm in small Lubbock, Texas, which, yeah, I guess it's a moderate sized city, but typically that's not where you would broadcast a show from. And so podcasting is such a neat opportunity to reach out all over the globe even. And so it's been a lot of fun and I agree with you wholeheartedly.
0: Well, welcome to the party. You're going to have a (laughs) lot of fun with that. Elizabeth, I can't thank you enough for joining us on this serving of Business Soup. There are so many other things that we can carry on about. And while you were in college, I saw that you won not just a championship, but you won two national championships in what are known as moot court. Or even I know what that is, where you are basically standing in a courtroom fighting or defending an argument. And to win a national championship in any speaking type of event is quite admirable.
1: Thank you so much. I, I, it was such a privilege. I was fortunate to be at Texas Tech, which a lot of people don't know this, but Texas Tech has for many years been one of the leading law advocacy programs in the nation. And so I just was so excited and, and felt fortunate that I was at a school that could provide that kind of training. And so it's fun and that, it kind of goes back to my enjoyment of speaking and discussing things that I'm passionate about.
0: Elizabeth Hill, folks, keep up the good work and thanks for being on this serving of business soup.
1: Thank you, John, for
0: having me. This has been another serving of business soup, where business comes for business. I'm John Debevois, inviting you to visit the website for more servings of what is best in business.
1: This show has been produced by Market Domination LLC.